good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the unshakable rock of the Word of God? And again, we find those times of testing when we go through the trials of life and the pressure cooker of what's going on. And I want to assure you with great confidence that the Word of God is that which will stabilize you. Welcome to Holding Fast Podcast today. Glad you're here. We're going to finish up today the discussion that I have on uh, the doctrine of the Trinity from Scripture, uh, one that is quite often frequently misunderstood, one that can be twisted and manipulated and not very, take very much for it to fall into error. And so it's important for us to understand the nature of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are distinct persons. The Bible describes them as three who eternally exist as distinct persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Uh, they are one in essence, they are three in person, and I discussed that yesterday. And one of the reasons why this is really is uh, incredibly important is because we do live in a day, at least in the time that I have been a minister uh, of the Word of God, is that a lot of times in our current cultural uh, Christianity that's popular today, is that while often the personhood of the Father and the Son is appreciated, the personhood of the Holy Spirit is often neglected, uh, or it is twisted and made into something that it has no intention of being. I want us to remember that the Bible always presents the Godhead as existing in absolute and perfect harmony. Uh, the Father is the one, of course, who is the head of all things. He is the king of the universe. Uh, the Son exists so that he might manifest or display the heart of the Father. He came to this earth, John chapter 1 tells us, and he took on flesh. He was grace and truth to this world. We sing that in our Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, in which we're reminded that veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Wesley had it correct when he wrote that. Uh, and so the Son's objective and goal and appointed task in this world is that he might magnify the Father in all that he does, that the Son's will would be subjected to the Father and therefore live in complete harmony. And it's no different with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's purpose is not to magnify himself, not to show his own teaching. Uh, as a matter of fact, John 14, verse 26, and John 15, verse 26 explicitly teach that the Spirit's purpose in this world, when Christ arose, when he ascended and he went to heaven, he promised prior to that that he would send another comforter, one who would walk alongside. And, of course, the Holy Spirit was then given in order to accomplish that. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate your understanding of Jesus, to exalt Him, to lift Him up, to be able to give Him uh, the, the glory that He deserves and just to magnify the work of the Redeemer of the world. And so uh, that, that goes so contrary to a lot of movements today, particularly those in the charismatic movement, who would uh, 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 magnify the Holy Spirit over the worship of the Son. And that's a tragedy because the Holy Spirit's purpose was not to come and outshine the Son, but to magnify the Son in all that He does. Sometimes the Spirit is 
is uh, another error. Sometimes the spirit is is treated more like a force. I spoke with somebody recently about this, that they perceived the spirit of God. They always thought that he was like some uh, some uh, a transcendental force. May the force be with you, Eastern mysticism kind of thing. But I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it. He is a he. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 16, uh, verses 7 through 15, and Acts chapter 8, and there are just multiple scriptures. The fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force like gravity or some other law of nature, is shown by the fact that everywhere he speaks in the in the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, he reasons Acts chapter 15, verse 28, he thinks and understands, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, 10, and 11. He wills things in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. He feels in Ephesians 4. He gives personal fellowship in 2 Corinthians 13. Uh, And the list could go on and on that these are all qualities of personhood. So let's not relegate the Holy Spirit to being some impersonal, may the force be with you kind of thing, but he is a real person with emotion, intellect, uh, and, 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 uh, um, uh, and will, so that he is the individual who is doing the will of God on this earth. Another serious error that people have made is to think that the Father became the Son, Uh, who then became the Holy Spirit. Uh, You run into deep problems with that. The passages I just uh, mentioned imply that God always was and always be, will always be three persons. There was never a time when one of the persons of the Godhead did not exist. By the way, Jesus did not become the Son of God when he was born in Bethlehem. There is another notorious false teaching that we'll cover at some point, but the teaching that Jesus was born as a regular human being and then God came and dwelt in him. No, the Son of God existed from all of eternity past with the Father in heaven in the same form as the Father. God the Father, Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. Jesus existed in all of his glory as the second person of the Trinity with the Father for all of eternity in spirit form. And at one point, the Father said, Son, I want you to go and perform salvation's work so that the, the my people might have salvation. And so uh, he is fully God. There was a, never a time when any of the persons of the Godhead did not exist. They are all eternal in all of their nature. You can't help but understand that as you read through the Bible. While the three members of the Trinity are distinct, that doesn't mean also that any of them are inferior to the other. They're all identical in their attributes. Remember I told you I made that chart and that list. They're all the same. Each one is fully God. And by the way, that doesn't mean that one person is one-third of God. Trinity means that they are all entirely deity, not that there's God divided into three parts, all right? So you say, boy, why is all this precision that you're talking about? It's because we have to, in order to be true to the Scripture itself. The doctrine of the Trinity doesn't divide God into three parts, 
The Bible is clear that all three persons are 100% God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, matter of fact, Colossians 2 and verse 9, the Bible says that in Christ, in Him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Uh, God is not a piece of pie that can be cut into three pieces. So that's important for us to remember. Um, the Son is not one-third of the being of God. He's all God, and so are the, the others as well. And with that in mind, let me close with this, that there is only one God. Uh, each person of the Trinity is distinct and yet fully God. We can understand that there is only one God. The Shema, which is a, which is a Bible verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. He is our God. He is one. And some people have used that to try and dismiss the notion or doctrine of a trinity. The problem with that is that word one is the exact same word that our father used in the book of Genesis when he described Adam and Eve coming together. It said that the two <coughs> shall become one. That is a plurality within a unity. And so they are, uh, all three persons of the Trinity are God equally so. That's important for us. The essence of their person, the essence of their being, they are absolutely uh, worthy of being worshipped as God. Um, it, it's, all, it's important because God is important. We study it for that reason. To understand more fully what God is like is a way of honoring Him worshiping him in spirit and in truth, knowing exactly, because we exist to worship God. And God, according to John 4, 24, is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. It has a very significant application to prayer. And I'm going to leave it with this today. The general pattern of prayer in the Bible is to pray to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And our fellowship with God will be enhanced. It'll be made better knowing that we are relating to that triune God. Let's be aware of that today. Let's know those distinct roles, but let's understand the unity of God. And let's understand that He longs to know us better. And He longs for us to come and worship Him in truth. God bless you today. Walk with the Lord. Spend that time talking with Him. Get to know Him in spirit and in truth. God bless you. Walk with Christ.